Yarn. Yarn number two. How to dismantle a porn bomb. The CD player cut out again. The eagles were replaced momentarily with the low hum of the car engine and the squeak of the windscreen wipers. The clock above the blinking fuel gauge read 3am. I was only a few miles from home, but that made no difference to the flashing light. It was jeering at me. You're not gonna make it. You're not gonna make it. I dreaded the thought of having to complete my journey on foot. I only passed my driving test six months earlier, the week of my 18th birthday and I was ecstatic when my mother gave me my own set of keys to her 1.4 litre Nissan Micra. Now John, I'm better show you how to change a tyre. My stepdad offered one evening. He demonstrated on the front right wheel. Now, you can change the other three. You better get going, I don't want to be out here all night. Throughout human history, many have tried to define what it is to be free. Freedom to my adolescent self was access to a small five-door hatchback. Every trip was an adventure. A late-night drive to the shop for a bag of crisps, an errand to pick up a parcel from the post office warehouse. I loved them all, but my favourite was a rescue mission. As the news of my newfound mobility spread, I started to receive more and more rescue requests. One Sunday morning, I got a call from an unknown number. Hi, John. Sorry to call you like this. Um, your brother gave me your number. Um... Tom, is that you? I said in a sleep-dazed state. Yeah, listen, I need you to pick me up. Um, I'm in a feather, feathered on sea? Feathered on sea. I ended up here yesterday instead of going home from college. Um, yeah, I met a really nice girl on the bus, so I stayed on it all the way to her stop. Uh, but now there's no fucking bus out of here on a Sunday. Uh, where's feathered on sea? I was suddenly fully awake. Oh, it's a small fishing village. I think it's in uh, Wexford, maybe Waterford. Could you look it up, yeah? I mean, I have, to, I have to go to Mass right now, but I'll be in the closest pub to the church when you get here, yeah? Oh, John, listen, I really owe you one, buddy. Tom was one of my brother's best friends. I didn't know him that well, but I did know he wasn't the kind of guy who normally went to Mass. I checked his location. He was over an hour away. When I arrived at the pub, Tom and the mystery bus girl were squeezed into a corner seat. They were flanked on both sides by four very large men, all of whom were monitoring Tom's every move. He seemed unfazed by his chaperones and giggled with the girl while the men looked on like a pack of Rottweilers, ready to pounce. Right, here's my lift. Uh, he looks like he's in a hurry, so I'll have to love you and leave you, unfortunately. Um, nice to meet you, Emer, all right? See ya. Tom walked straight past me and out the door. As we drove off, he turned to look out the back window. John, sound. Did you see those guys, the brothers? Massive. Don't think they like me too much. This morning when she said she had to go to Mass, I was worried they were expecting me to marry her or something. I really owe you one, John. Cheers. My 3am drive home with the blinking fuel gauge was the result of another distress call. 
this time for my schoolmate, Barry. John, I need you to come and fix my family's computer. I had a fair idea why Barry's technical difficulties were so time-sensitive, and like any good friend, I supplied some sensitive and supportive advice. You were looking at porn, and you want to get rid of it. Am I right? Just delete your internet history. I'm going to bed. I was about to hang up, but Barry continued his plea. No, John, I, I can't. I can't do anything. It's a porn virus. The more I try to close it down, the more windows pop up. I've tried turning the computer off and on again, but, but nothing seems to stop it. Barry's house was in a small village in the next valley from mine. If I used the back roads, I could be there in 20 minutes. I don't know, Barry. My parents are away for the weekend. I don't want to end up stranded somewhere with no petrol. When my ma checks her lot of numbers in the morning, she's going to see some stuff she definitely didn't gamble on. You're good with computers and that. You'll be able to fix it, no bother. Oh, please, John. His pathetic appeal won me over. Okay, Barry. I'm on my way. I turned my headlights off as I entered the drive so I wouldn't rouse Barry's sleeping parents. He ushered me through the back door. I inspected the computer. It was an easy fix, all right, but I couldn't help tormenting Barry by prolonging the investigation. Well, John, c- can you get rid of it? Give me a minute. It's hard to see anything with all these photos flying at me. Right. That should do it. It took a few minutes to close all the offending pop-ups. Each click slowly revealed the image of Scotty, the family dog. He'd been given pride of place as the desktop background before being enveloped by an avalanche of pornography. I got back on the road, eager to get home. To keep myself awake, I turned the stereo up and the temperature down. The little micro was the only disturbance on the deathly quiet road. Light droplets of rain slowly gathered on the windscreen before being swept away by the wipers. The steering wheel violently spun clockwise. I instinctively threw it back the opposite direction. Thud. Suddenly the car was stationary. The view of the road out the windscreen was replaced by a close-up of a ditch overlaid with a web of cracked glass. The engine was silent, but the stereo played on. I sat still for a few seconds and waited for my brain to catch up with recent events. Fuck, I said out loud. Fuck, 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 fuck. The human equivalent of a computer command line crashing. My outburst grew louder and louder until I topped it off with a deafening fuck. Okay, I thought to myself, I better get out and assess the damage before I try reversing out of here. The moment I unbuckled my seatbelt, I fell up, hitting the ceiling with a thump. Disorientated, after temporarily losing my grip on gravity, my brain scrambled to recalibrate. The car was upside down. I crawled out of the interior and walked around the upturned car. Maybe I can flip it back over. I came to the slow realisation that the one-ton Micra wouldn't be as easy to set back on its wheels as one of my childhood dinky cars. I was going to have to call for help. As I dug my phone out of my pocket, I noticed I was already in the process of calling someone. Somewhere between the car hitting the ditch and me hitting the ceiling, I had inadvertently called Barry back. I cancelled the call, but noticed my battery was about to die. I punched in 999. It wasn't long until I heard a response. Hello, please, may we help you? I've crashed my car. No one is hurt. No other cars. 
I figured I only had seconds until my battery died, so I had to be as succinct as possible. I think I'm somewhere on the hill road between Callan and Stonyford. My battery's about to... It's dead. The road was eerily silent, except for the clicking sound of the micro's hazard lights. Twenty minutes went by, and just as I was about to start walking, I saw headlights flickering in the distance. A few seconds later, a police car flung around the corner and came to an abrupt stop a few feet from where I was standing. A heavy-set policeman emerged from the car. I recognised him straight away. Locals called him Officer Hawkeye, though never to his face. Officer Hawkeye was infamous around the area. He had earned his nickname due to his lazy eye, and because he made easy prey of anyone who sped past one of his roadside speed traps. Well now, that's a funny place to park a car, he said as he flashed his torch in my face. I launched into a long animated story about where I was going, how I lost control of the car, that I wasn't speeding or drinking. Not to worry. Let's get a tow truck out here, and then I'll take you home. I completed the ten minute trip home as a passenger in Officer Hawkeye's police car. Sometimes it takes us hours to find people when they get stuck up on these roads, but you gave us decent directions. You must know the roads pretty well. Obviously not well enough. The next day, I got a call from Barry. What the hell were you playing at last night? I got a voicemail of you shouting fuck repeatedly over an eagle's track. The Micra managed a full recovery. It returned from the garage in almost pristine condition. The only remnant of the crash was a pair of muddy footprints on the ceiling.